Welcome to the Serpent Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and I pray that we will be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. And in so doing, may we raise each other up as we lay ourselves down before the Lord. This is the Servant Soul Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the body of Christ and some of why the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Before I get into too much of that, though, I just want to take a couple minutes and talk about why we gather as Christians. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to, to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so, to provoke to love and good works. And when we're left in our own heads, we tend to become bitter and cynical. You know, we only get to hear our side of the story, right? And how can we be of use to other Christians if we aren't surrounding ourselves with them? Also, we will not recognize our errors in judgment because I think we do tend to agree with ourselves. (laughs) And that's where the exhorting comes in. All of us need corrected and encouraged and reminded about our beliefs. Even the apostles had to correct each other at times. So God tells us to be part of a community of believers so they can bump us on the forehead from time to time uh, when we get set in our way. But then comes the difficulty... um, of not being able to find the right church. And I struggle with this. Uh, every church has its problems, right? I mean, it, it, it's a collection of imperfect people serving God imperfectly. There are doctrinal differences that arise anytime you know numbers start to grow. Uh, there are different styles of worship that we may or may not be comfortable with. So do I settle or do I just move on? And I begin to wonder, am I looking for something that doesn't exist? You know, there's a saying uh, that if you meet a jerk in the morning, you probably just met a jerk. <laughs> but if you meet jerks all day, it's you. <laughs> and so, you know, is that also true about finding a church body to be part of? When I go from place to place, I'm like, ah, all churches are, you know. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of problems out there, uh, I believe, with you know, the, the established um, denominations and, and gatherings of, of people. But I think the, the best question we can ask is, you know, what does the right church look like? And we should be careful if the right church looks like a church that does everything my way. <laughs> who benefits from being surrounded by people who see everything the same way? I mean, who's learning? Nobody grows surrounded by people who all have the same ideas and beliefs. We tend rather to just kind of hang around agreeing about how hard it is to understand why others don't get it, you know, like we do. And I think the right church is somewhere that I can grow and also help others to grow. But what does that process look like? In Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. It says, iron sharpeneth iron, and so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. But that is not a pleasant process. There is a grinding away and shaving off of incorrect ideas and beliefs as believers study together and guide each other through the Word of God. 
And because that process of growth is a painful one, we tend to look for a church where no growth is necessary. We want a church that feels like home, not a classroom. You know, where we are perfect the way we are, and nobody ever challenges our ideas. When when something happens in a church that doesn't feel comfortable, we walk away. You know, time to find a better church. How much family would we have left if we treated relatives the way we treat churches? I mean, there are certainly times when separating from a congregation is biblical and appropriate. But our defining virtue shouldn't be how great we are at, at stepping away from imperfect churches. Ephesians 4, 1-6 through 6 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all loneliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So let us be known for striving patiently for the unity of the Spirit before we draw a line of division between us and a body of believers. And I think sometimes we we tend to feel like we're the last prophet, right? It's because nobody else gets it. Most of us at one point or another have said or thought, you know, that all churches out there just do it wrong. And we go from place to place seeking a body of Christ that does it right, and we just can't find one. And it becomes easy to pick out the pieces of every congregation and just make lists of all the things we disagree with. And I've become you know, so good at it, it's actually extremely difficult for me now to be comfortable in just about any church. Uh, so, what do we do with all that distaste for churches at large? And, you know, I, I've tried vocalizing concerns in Bible studies, um, or talking with pastors in private. I've tried kind of shifting elements of a church service through my own contributions to the service. And, and usually it's like beating my head off a wall. And, and the reason that is, is because this particular church does things the way it does because somebody at one time was in another church and thought, well, no church author does it right. And so they left and started this church doing it the way they thought was right. And now there are two churches that both do it wrong. <laughs> and now here I am irritated that neither church does it right. And I'm just going to have to separate myself from all the false churches and start doing church the way I believe the Bible says it should be done. And ta-da! Right? Now there's a church on literally every single corner of America. And we still can't find one we like. <laughs> and so I, I think we may have forsaken the assembling of the body of Christ because of its imperfections on the basis that we think we can do it better. And it very well may be possible for me to do a better job at having church as compared to the local established congregations. But it should be weighed very carefully before we start yet another division of the body of Christ. I mean, not to mention, if I indeed am the only one I know who truly worships God in the Spirit and in truth, how can I justify abandoning the congregations of people who are in need of the truth? So I believe we must be careful not to walk away from the church because we are too intolerant of the opinions of others. You know, if, if I'm the only one who believes what I believe, I must be very careful. It doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It doesn't. But it is a tall order to believe that God has revealed the truth to me and me alone. Just be cautious of that. It is a dangerous place to put myself as the ultimate interpreter of truth 
between God's Word and the church. Not impossible, but perhaps improbable. 1 Peter 5, 1-3 says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. See, it says that we as elders, which is what we're claiming to be, if we are claiming that you know we are alone in the knowledge of the truth, says that we should feed the flock. And if I have to be in control of the flock, making sure the flock is doing it the way I believe, agreeing with all of my views of the word, or I'm leaving, then I'm trying to rule the flock, not feed it. And what do we do when there are real problems in the church? And when we look at scripture, I think a good question to ask is, who are my elders? First Peter 5.5 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Even Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, had to go to elders in the church for guidance. In Acts 15, 1-2, says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Differences of opinions about God's word are going to arise. Even with sincere and deep understanding of the Bible, different people have different opinions on some things. And that's why God's word guides us to the elders in our community of faith to help us with questions that we have about what God's word means. God's word is the ultimate authority. But when there are opposing views about the word, we turn to the elders. So how do I seek the wisdom of the elders when I've declared that no church is right and I have to embark on my faith journey alone? I can't. I have assumed myself to be the source of correct biblical interpretation. And again, if Paul had to seek the wisdom of elders, how confident do I have to be to assume that there aren't any elders out there for me to turn to? To say that would be to say that I know the truth better than anybody else. And if I have no elders to look up to, it may be because I'm too proud to be submissive to what they have to say. And, and the last thought is, you know, where is the rest of the body? In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 20, it says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if there were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. So how then, you know, have we forsaken the assembling of believers? If I am living in the truth, where is the body? 
Where are the elders? Where are the deacons? Where is the flock? Do we really believe that God's flock has all gone astray? And he has he failed to get the truth through to anybody else but me? All church leaders are fakes, and and I alone stand on God's truth, and they will all march to their doom, failing to realize that I'm right. I mean, I think the truth is that it's easier to criticize an imperfect church than it is to admit that all of us are the imperfect church. You know, that's why it takes a whole body of believers to follow the Word of God, because we're pretty terrible at it. Sometimes it's the pastor that speaks the truth that the congregation needs, and then sometimes it's the kid in the corner who speaks the truth that the pastor needs. And when we step aside from the body, from the wisdom of the elders, from the guidance of the teachers, from the inspiration of the musicians, from the silent prayers of the prayer warriors, we must be certain of what we're turning to. We still need to be part of the body of Christ, and it's all too easy to feel justified walking away from the church due to its shortcomings. But what good is a severed head full of the knowledge of God with no body attached to it? Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Amen. Thanks for listening, and until next time, may we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen.